So author A.W. Tozer once said these words, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. I took some time this week and I thought about this quote and I realized I think that's true. Um, As people who believe in God, our view of God will shape and impact every aspect of our lives in one way or another. And I'd venture to say the same is true if you don't believe in God, and that's going to impact you one way or another. And I hope that this series that we're wrapping up today titled Redeeming Rest, that you've been able to see that, that your God desires to give you real rest from a world that often leaves you really drained. There's so many other religions out there that depends upon a long list of things that the follower, the believer, must do for their God in order to possess peace. But with our relationship with Jesus, it's different. In our relationship with Jesus, one thing that we are promised is that he will just give us rest. He will give us the peace that our soul needs. All we need to do is just come to him. Just let him give that to us. If you're joining us for the first time, or maybe it's been a long time, you can find each one of these previous three messages in this series on our website. You'll find that each teaching is around 20 minutes long, and I think it'll be well worth your time to to really find that redemptive rest that the world can't provide, but Jesus promises he can. And this rest is so important to us because many times you and I in this crazy world, we don't want to take a breaker, or maybe if we do, we, we never prioritize it because we've got a crazy schedule. Busyness packs our days. We look at our calendars and they're completely overwhelmed. We even pride ourselves on efficiency, productivity, and, and statements such as, oh, you won't believe how busy I am. We say things like that and we think it's a good thing. Uh, this week, I was trying to schedule a time to meet with somebody and he said, oh, Josh, I, I didn't even have time to eat. But that's a problem, right? But he was saying, basically, I'm prideful about how busy I am. We say things like, well, I've not taken a real vacation in years. Or we say, I don't even know what they would do without me. We say things like, I need a day off from my day off. And we think that's good. And so on and so forth. And I get it because I'll share with you later in this message. But uh, I even, we all give in to the pressures and demands of the world. We give in to the pressures and demands of our culture. We live in this fast-paced society and we never stop. We often don't. To just realize that we were actually made to live differently. Now, to be clear that, that we were made to be fruitful. We were created to be fruitful. We were created to be productive. We were created to work hard. If you go back at the very beginning of your Bible in the book of Genesis, you'll see that before sin even entered the world, God had Adam and Eve working. Work is a good thing. We should work we, and we should love well. We should be busy trying to make this world a better place. So finding rest, that's not a call to apathy. It's not a call to laziness. But what we most often miss is that we cannot live the life we were designed to live if we don't build a routine of rest into it. And most of us will never stop. We'll never slow down. We will never get to a point of rest on our own. So we need to be led there. We need to be led there. Many times throughout our Bible, throughout scripture, Jesus is referred to as a shepherd And he's a shepherd who is leading his followers, you and I. And you and I, we are often referred to as sheep. If you had asked me how I'd want to be described in my life, this would not be on the top 100, right? But as we'll see, when the Bible defines and describes us as sheep, it's actually pretty accurate, all things considering. Jesus is the shepherd. We are the sheep. 
And although a shepherd and sheep, they're certainly better understood in maybe a historical or agricultural setting. I want us to look at Jesus' words here in the book of John, because his words give us a better understanding of this relationship between a shepherd and their sheep between Jesus and us. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. So a good shepherd, it's one of seven different, what we call I am statements that Jesus gave to the world. It's how he described himself so we can, one, have a better understanding of who he is, but two, so we can understand how we relate to him better. Now, I saw a video this week, and, and it was titled, Some Days Jesus Has to Shepherd Us Like This. And I completely identify with this video. Uh, take a look. You know, so often, you and I, like, we think we're going the right way. We think we're doing smart things. And whether it's our stubbornness or whether it's bad decisions, whether it's sin, whether it's irresponsibility, whether it's senselessness, we get ourselves in tough spots. <laughs> and Jesus has some work to do. He pulls us out of these holes each time. And right now you're wondering, would Josh show a video if this sheep wasn't alive? And I promise you I wouldn't, right? And there he goes. Like sometimes Jesus has to shepherd us like that, right? Sheep have a natural tendency to wander. The sheep have a natural tendency to stray. They get lost. And as we can see, sheep often get themselves into trouble. And you know what? You and I do the same. We do the exact same. The prophet Isaiah describes it this way. He says, all of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. So we have G Jesus, the Bible says, not just a shepherd, he is our good shepherd. And we, as the often stubborn sheep, we're prone to wander. We don't know what's best for us. We get ourselves into trouble. We are the sheep. He is the shepherd. And this understanding is so crucial as we dive into our main text today, which is from Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is it's very short. It's, it's only six verses long. But Psalm 23 has had an incredible impact on lives for thousands of years. And it is very descriptive for us, the sheep, as we are led by Jesus, the shepherd, the good shepherd, if we're going to find a place of rest in our lives. And as we about to dive into Psalm 23, I know some of us will be familiar. Maybe you've heard it at a funeral, a memorial setting, uh, and it's been popular, popularized through pop culture as well. Uh, the entirety reads like this. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's absolutely, Psalm 23 is, is beautiful in its entirety. But today we're going to focus on those first few verses that speak about how Jesus is going to lead us to this rest that we so desperately need. He's going to, him as the shepherd is going to lead his sheep, you and I, to the rest we desperately need. And verse 1 said this, The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. If the Lord's going to be our shepherd, we will lack nothing. And so when it comes to the shepherd-sheep relationship, sheep depend on the shepherd 
for everything. They are helpless creatures who cannot survive long without guidance. They cannot last long without a shepherd. And so a good shepherd is going to make sure that that dependency is taken care of, that their sheep lack nothing. And in my study in this week, I found that there's actually a couple of things that sheep need in their life. It's essential if they are going to find rest. And in unbelievable, transcendent biblical wisdom, these are the very things that you and I are going to need Jesus to provide us. Our shepherd will need to provide us his sheep if we are going to find rest. Philip Keller, he's a, he's a Christian author, and he spent many years as an actual shepherd of sheep in Europe. And he points out that it is impossible for sheep to rest unless these four essential needs are met. A sheep needs to be free from fear, free from friction, free from flies, and free from famine. Fear, friction, flies, and famine. Four things that a sheep actually needs, an actual animal sheep needs from the shepherd to find rest. And in unbelievable biblical wisdom, these are the four things that I believe we need if we're going to find rest. So let's begin with fear. Uh, you probably know if you've been to any farm fair that, that sheep are, are skittish, um, they're jittery, they're anxious creatures, but they will simply not lie down. They will not rest if on their mind is a reason to fear. And I wish we were not the same way, but we are. Right, The command to fear not or to not be afraid, it's found over 365 times in our Bible. What do you think God's trying to communicate to us? 365 times, one a day if you want to look at it that way. I think that's because every day we need this reminder, especially in the world we live in, to not give in to fear. God did not give us a spirit of fear, so don't feed ourselves with it. Being a follower of Jesus, having the good shepherd lead us, it's not going to take us to a life that is void of fear. But our shepherd, he goes before us and he leads us. And and as we go through situations that could be fearful, he equips us to face those scenarios in a way that can strengthen our faith and trust in him. Once again, Isaiah tells us, it's God speaking, do not be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. You see, we're not wandering alone in this world. We're not left to our own devices when it comes to fear. The reason that we can go ahead in this world, the reason we can get our fears taken care of and find rest, because the one who is leading us conquered death. And if we're being led by this shepherd, by Jesus, who actually conquered death, we're going to celebrate it in a couple of weeks, then what is there to truly fear? If death is taken care of, what do we have to fear? Nothing. That's why we can find rest through Jesus. Let's talk about friction. Until this week, unbeknownst to me, I had no idea. I thought sheep were just stupid creatures that just aimlessly wander around. Had no idea that they had some of the most sophisticated social systems among animals. You look at them and they just bleep and not cuss, but you know what I mean. Like around each other, right? Interactions. We think they have nothing going on. Just sitting there talking to one another. But I promise you. There's enough reading out there to put you to sleep about it. They have intense, very sophisticated social systems. And the short end of it is that sheep will simply not lie down and they will not rest if their world, if their social world is in conflict. A sheep simply will not rest. You may take away the fear, but if they have conflict with somebody in their group, they will not rest. Once again, I wish we weren't so much like sheep. I'm 
I really wish that the Bible could call a sheep. I'd be like, come on, give us some credit. But this is us, right? Because how many times have you lost sleep because you have conflict with somebody else? How many times have you laid down, you try to go to sleep, but you just can't help it? You got an ax to grind. You're so angry because who would speak to you that way? You're so upset because somebody treated you poorly or they treated your kid poorly. And you cannot simply find your rest because you're so irritated with that aspect of your social life. Or maybe you just cannot stop. Like every time you're going to go to bed and I'm going to rest, I'm going to scroll Facebook. And there's that person always stirring the drama pot and you just can't stand them. Unfortunately, I probably like you, there's been way too many times in my life where I've allowed friction to cause me to lose rest. But if we're truly being led by Jesus, we're being led by the, by the good shepherd, then we're going to allow him to lead us even in those uncomfortable moments or seasons. If he's really leading us, we're going to not just settle for our feelings about the friction, but we're going to see what biblical wisdom gives us that can lead us to rest. We're going to take words like this to heart. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. A lot of us, you want to talk about friction? We would rest a whole lot better if we actually took these words to heart and said, I'm not going to go to bed. I'm not going to try to rest until I deal with these feelings of friction. So if we're going to be led by Jesus to find the rest we need, then we're going to have to trust his word and his wisdom as it addresses that friction that too often robs us of peace and robs us of rest. Now for a sheep to find rest, as where Psalm 23 says, for a sheep to lack nothing, then that, that shepherd's going to have to take care of those pesky flies. Fear, friction, and flies. A sheep simply will not find rest if they're being bothered by parasites or other flies. In verse 5 of uh, Psalm 23, we read earlier, the psalmist says, You anoint my head with oil. I have no idea. I've not spent... Clearly, a lot of time on a farm, but I, I don't know if this happens today, but during biblical times, uh, shepherds would actually uh, apply oil to a sheep's head, uh, primarily to keep parasites such as flies and other burdens off of the sheep's head. It was a way to stop pests from bothering the sheep. Now, I have no doubt that your burdens are more significant than flies. I have no doubt that there are a few people in your life who you would accurately categorize as pests. But we can still trust Jesus, our shepherd, to handle them and relieve our burdens so we can find rest. Psalm 55, give your burdens to the Lord. And as any good shepherd would, it says, and he will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. If we want to find real rest in our lives, we're going to have to trust Jesus with our burdens. We have to let him lead us there, even when there are distractions and situations in our life that are driving us absolutely crazy. We have to hand that over to Jesus. And then lastly, famine. There's four essential needs for sheep to find rest and an unbelievable biblical wisdom. It's the same things that you and I need in our life if we're going to find rest. We need free from fear, friction, flies, and then lastly, famine. There are a lot of people who do not get the rest they know they need because they depend on themselves and their efforts just too much. A lot of people will never get the rest they need because when they lay down at night or when they go to just say, I'm going to pause, I'm not going to do anything. What starts happening is this belief that they are the ones who are providing for their own provision starts tugging at them. A lot of people don't find the rest they need because we prioritize our, our own efforts while never stopping and realizing who gave us our talents. 
who actually gave us our abilities, who positioned us in life to utilize them, well, that would be Jesus, not us. And if we're relying on Jesus, we're depending on him for our needs, then by faith, we can rest because we know we will, as the scripture says, lack nothing to live the life he designed for us to live. This week, I heard a pretty amusing story about provision, and it was about a Russian immigrant who, who bought a ticket on a ship to the USA. This immigrant wanted to arrive in the United States and build a life for themselves, and so bought a ticket on a ship headed to the USA. This immigrant's mother gave him a loaf of bread, and he decided that it's going to be like a two-week journey, a long journey, so he's going to divide up this loaf of bread to last the entire trip. Yet each day, he wrestled with jealousy. He'd walk by, he'd look into the dining hall, and he'd see people just sitting there, and they're enjoying this huge meal. Like they're eating so much, and all he had was this little bit of bread. He wanted what they had so bad. And it wasn't until the end of the trip that he discovered that the ticket he purchased also included the food that he saw everyone else eating, right? Now, I share that ridiculous story because I think all too often, we miss out on some things that are included in our relationship with Jesus, Many of us tend to settle for thinking that Jesus only came to, 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 to conquer sin and to save us from the eternal consequences. We think, oh, that's all Jesus did. Well, I feel think Jesus, for me in my life, it's about this one moment when I slip from this life to the next. And I want to know I have heaven and not hell. But a relationship with Jesus provides so much more than that. And I'm not trying to underestimate or, or overlook that, that Jesus came and o- overcame the power of sin and, and took care of the eternal consequences of it. But I think in our relationship with Jesus, we miss the fact that he also provides all that we need in this life. So we lack nothing to live the life he has called us to live. In the book of Philippians, the apostle Paul says this, and the same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. And I want to add some context to this because it's really powerful, but we may miss it without the context. The book of Philippians in our Bible is actually Paul's letter to a church in Philippi. So the apostle Paul, he went on all these missionary journeys and it was not easy. He left a life of luxury to tell everyone about Jesus. And I mean everyone, he was all over the place on these journeys. And on these journeys, he would have no money, right? Almost nothing. He was shipwrecked several times. He was bitten by snakes. He was imprisoned. He was beaten. And these churches have got to be wondering, How are you still going? How are you able to do everything you can do? What is your secret for living this profound, impactful life? And Paul says, well, don't you get it? The same God who takes care of me, he will take care of you if you give him the chance. Paul's saying, he's fulfilling everything I need for the life he designed for me to live. And he'll do the same for you out of his riches if you give him the chance to do so. And I cannot state this enough. If we allow Jesus to lead us, if we as the sheep follow the good shepherd, he will give you everything you need to live the life he designed for you to live. Do we want rest? I think the answer is yes. Well, then we have to trust him with the fear. We have to trust him with the friction. We have to trust him with what we'll call the flies, those burdens, those pests in our life. And we have to trust him that he'll take care of the famine, that there will be provision in our life for us to live the life he designed for us to live. That's four ways that our shepherd ensures that we can find rest. If, and this is a big if, if we allow him to lead us there, because the world will never leave us there. If we allow him to lead us there. Now, over the past four weeks, I think we've allowed scripture to make as compelling a case for redeeming rest as possible. But what happens if we ignore these commands? 
What happens if we look at all of this biblical wisdom saying you should rest, you should rest, you should rest, and we think, well, but the world's telling me I shouldn't. The world's telling me I should be busy. The world's telling me I'll be judged by my efficiency. The world's telling me I'll be judged by my productivity. We start to wonder, well, is the Bible so out of touch with the world I'm living in today? So what happens if we continue this breakneck schedule? What happens if we we stay up worrying about all the details of our life and we never take time to rest? What happens if we continue to ignore how we were created to function? Psalm 23, 2 tells us, a good shepherd, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Jesus will take care of everything you need. I promise you, if you allow him to lead you, he will lead you to rest. He will lead you to uh, rejuvenation regularly. But if you keep running at the pace that the creator didn't create you to maintain, you're going to find yourself lying down one way or another. If you keep yielding to how the world wants you to live, I promise you're going to find yourself at the feet of Jesus. You're going to need his green pastures. It's either going to be out of inspiration or it's going to be out of desperation. And the choice is ours. But I tell you, we better take this stuff seriously. We better give it a shot before we find ourselves, as the psalmist says, in that dark valley without Jesus. Now, I personally hit that dark valley about a week ago. It was actually eight days ago. Uh, I reached a point in my life where Jesus very clearly said, Hey, Josh, it's time to go lay down and rest in those green pastures. You're going to kill yourself. Now, as I shared my message last week, I hate clutter. I hate being disorganized. And you're probably thinking, well, who doesn't? I mean, we all love organization. You would not love what I love. Um, I am obsessive about it. And you're like, oh, you don't seem weird. I'm weird. If I came over to your house... We'd be engaged in a conversation and you're like, what's he looking at? And the whole time I'm not listening to you because I want to organize your books from biggest to smallest, widest to thinnest. Like that's how weird I am. I understand I've not let Jesus into some places and I need to change that. But this didn't happen before last Saturday, right? Last Saturday, I went out to clean the shed. And you're like, that sounds like an easy thing. What's the problem? Well, The shed is packed full of boxes, okay? And over time, these boxes have become rather cluttered. And so I opened my shed last Saturday, and I knew it was a game of Tetris, like me versus all the boxes in the shed, and I started getting worried. I started, like, getting anxious. I started sweating, even though it was cold, because, I mean, I live right just right on Hartford Road. Some of you, you you honk too early. I'll say it just one more time, right? You guys know where I live, and I was going to have to empty all of my boxes out of the shed. You're going to see my unorganization. And, and what I think is going to happen is you're going to drive by and you're going to go, ooh, I'm not going to that church anymore. His shed isn't organized. That's genuinely what overwhelms me in my life. I was embarrassed. I'm taking all of all these boxes out. And there's not a lot of space. So twice I grabbed a box and unbeknownst to me, a shovel had fallen. And if you're driving by twice, you would have seen me walking rather angrily and tripping over a shovel and box the box going everywhere, me falling on my face. I was livid, and the neighbors, they built a house way too close to us. They had a guy working on their grass, and he saw this twice. I'm like, he thinks I'm an idiot. He'll never come to my church, right? Like, you think all of these things. Well, finally, it happened a third time. And I don't think any of you have probably seen me angry. It doesn't happen often, but when it does... 
it's not, it's not holy. Um, so I grab the shovel and I throw it up against, and it's not a snow shovel, okay? It's one you dig hard things with. I shove it up into the corner and I grab the box and I turn around and guess what had been creeping back down at my face? The head of the shovel smacked me right against the face and I lost it. If you were driving by my house, you would have been like, that's my pat, that's my former pastor's house because I took that shovel. It's the mainliest thing I've done in years. I, I took that shovel and it was like I was charging the gates of, of, of Sparta. I mean, I, and I ran and I threw that shovel as hard as I could, went up. Thankfully, the trees caught it before it got into my neighbor's house. And I was angry. I lost my mind. I was tired. I didn't want to be doing this today. I was getting tripped. I got hit in the face with the shovel. As I'm walking back, I see feet and I look up and the guy who was working on the grass literally gave a, I just saw you lose your marbles wave. We locked eyes five feet away from each other. He just went, and I really, he, he's never come to my church, right? You know, and so like thinking all of these things and I was just so irritated. I was so angry and it was like in that moment, right? Jesus was like, didn't I tell you, you need some rest? Didn't I tell you to start practicing what you preach? Didn't I tell you that there's some green pastures? And that morning I knew it. I knew I needed rest, but I ignored it because I had things to do, right? I had things to do. I was so busy. I had to do all of this. And Jesus was just saying, no, no, no. Just give it some rest. I know some of you will say things and you'll be like, you know, it was like, that moment was like Jesus just hit me in the head with the shovel. That moment, literally, Jesus hit me in the head with a stinking shovel, right? And he made it clear, I need to prioritize rest. I felt it. I felt nasty. I hated it. I, I knew in that moment, I out, tried to outpace Jesus. I entered that dark valley on my own. Don't get there, Okay. Now, for a lot of us, you're not going to be running out of your shed, throwing a shovel for Harford Road to see. But, but I tell you what, for some of you, if you keep trying to run the schedule you are not created to, to achieve, if you keep trying to outpace the way Jesus says you should live, you're going to end up with complete burnout. There's so many people in this world who are doing all the things the world tells us to do. And at the end of that craziness, at the end of that madness, they wonder why they don't feel good. They wonder why they're so burned out. For others of us, yeah, it's going to be anger. We're just so tired of everything we have to do, have to do, have to do. What happened to the get to do's? When did my life become about checking boxes? Yeah, you got to be careful. You better not outpace Jesus. You're going to end up in that dark valley alone. For others, it's poor health. It is just poor health. We go and go and go. We never rest. We never take care of ourselves. And we're treating our body in a way that God did not design for it to run. He says, treat your body like a temple, and yet we treat it like garbage, all because we want to be productive, all because we want to be efficient. Others of us, we're going to turn to vices. We're going to want to, to numb ourselves or just finally, at the end of the day, let me just take myself away from this life that I'm living. Take, my, take me away from this stressful reality. And we're not going to be able to put certain things down. For others, we're just going to wish for another life. God has blessed us so much. We're not running things the way he wants us to run it. And so we're going to wish we had somebody else's life, wish we ended up somewhere else. We're going to be going through profiles on Facebook, wishing we had that life. And the reality is he didn't want you to have that life. He wanted you to live one specifically for you, but you're not doing it by his terms. Do not get to that dark valley alone. The way things are going in your life, it doesn't have to be that way. 
You don't have to keep living the way you weren't created to live. Jesus, the King of Kings, the good shepherd, he is ready and willing to, to lead you in the efforts to recalibrate your time, to readjust your schedule and to redesign how you live in a world that is destined to drain you. Your life may have been crazy. The last thing you have on your mind is rest. But things don't have to be the way they've always been. When we follow Jesus' lead, when we listen to his wisdom, I think we will finally experience the redeeming rest we've always needed and always desired. But we got to let him lead us there. Let's pray. God, I'm thankful that you are a God who you do care about us finding rest. You displayed it through creation. You've put it just in our DNA. We are people who need rest. We're we cannot run full throttle all of the time and, and be getting closer to you. God, allow us to stop worshiping efficiency, stop worshiping productivity, stop worshiping a calendar, stop priding ourselves on silly statements about how busy we are and start just bowing and worshiping you. If anybody can give us the authority and the approval to stop doing everything, surely it's you. So thank you so much just for showing us that you desire for us to have rest. We know that that's going to cause us to change some things and people don't always like change. We might have to say no to certain things, disappoint people. But God, ultimately, if we are getting closer to how you design us to live, then telling people no is well worth it. God, allow us to become so madly in love with you that we'll, we'll trust you and take the rest that you desire for us to have. It's the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.